This is Sean Smithgall and Taylor Stuber, your host of the PGT Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore different topics related to postgraduate training preparation for pharmacy students. Through our series, we hope to give a down-to-earth, enticing discussion on how to prepare for postgraduate training application. We have a guest speaker with us today, Dr. Hannah Gibson. She is a PGY-1 resident at Huntsville Hospital and completed her training at the University of Tennessee. Glad to have you on the program today, Hannah. Thank you, Taylor. I'm happy to be here. This session today is brought to you by the PGT Daily Trivia. So the trivia question today, since I'm from Missouri, is what is the state nickname for Missouri? The state nickname for Missouri? Who knew they even had one? They do. The Archers? So not the Arch. It's not the Archers. Is the Arch in Missouri? The Arch is in St. Louis, Missouri. Is it the land of a thousand lakes? I, I'm thinking I'm completely wrong no. one. <laughs> so it is the show me state, which kind of segues into our topic today, which is evaluating programs. So show me, show me the characteristics. All right. So evaluating programs. So the first thing I'm going to throw at both of you, when do you start the process of evaluating programs? So I started evaluating programs. I started looking at them probably in October, November, just want to make sure before I went to mid-year that I, you know, kind of had scouted out where I wanted to go and who I wanted to see. Once forecast opens up, it's pretty much when I started. Yeah, I think that's probably a good good time frame. It gives you a few months to, to really dive in and, and think about the programs that you want to apply to, even earlier if you want. I've had students in the past start looking at even in August. It's never too early to kind of start thinking about that. So what um, when you're evaluating programs, what tools did you use? Sure. So I made a spreadsheet of the different programs I wanted based on you know, if location was an issue, I wanted to stay in a certain area, or there was different places I knew family lived. I looked at different locations kind of first to see what programs kind of limit. Now, if, if you want to limit by, let's say, your special interests that programs have, maybe in a second year of BGY2, that was another thing that kind of helped narrow down just I think what, there's just so many options, you can't really do everything, but you know, if the academic center, if that's something of interest to you, or if you're wanting more of a community-based. Did you have any sort of special way you ranked certain aspects or characteristics of programs? Like, did you have a, an equation or anything like that where one, if, if they, they're in a location you liked, you got a point? If they were in a, if they had the specialty you liked, they got another point. Is it, did you do any of that or? I didn't. I didn't do any of that. I did have just each column on my spreadsheet was kind of like, okay, this has this matches my state box. This matches my quality of life box. This matches my PGY two box. So I think I just had columns of things that were important to me to look for a spot. Now, were you regionally uh, restricted? I was not. I so was not regionally across restricted. the nation. So I looked across the nation, which is a lot of places to narrow. To narrow. Yeah, how, that seems overwhelming. Preceptors are always a great resource. You know, I looked at, had some preceptors that either they had been to certain programs or had suggestions that way. Through forecast, you can kind of narrow what PGY2s. I was interested in infectious disease, so I knew that I could kind of places that had PGY2s in, in infectious disease, and I could go back and see, you know, make sure that they had PGY1s. Um, that kind of helped. And then, you know, I kind of found new people in certain areas. Like I have grandparents 
in Florida, that kind of <laughs> changed. You know, I might look me more inclined to there, but I just kind of looked everywhere. So I want to know from both of you, what was the one thing or multiple things? What were the things that were an absolute no? Like you would, you would see this in a program and it would immediately cut it from your list. Do you mean before or once I met them at interview? Oh, this is before just looking at the program. So like when you're looking at a program, you're trying to decide, do I add it to my spreadsheet or not? What's like, what was your thing that would like cut it? I think for me personally, I wanted to go somewhere since I was looking at, at places that weren't necessarily local. I wanted to kind of branch out and, and go to someplace new. I wanted to have a place that had multiple co-residents. So not just not just like two residents, but somewhere that had at least four, maybe six or more co-residents. Yeah, so you cut out because, small programs? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to look at a larger program. So I guess for me, that was kind of a, I wanted to look for somewhere with, that had at least four, but or an Apple can if you wanted a smaller program where you might get more one-on-one attention that might be something to think about but you made that decision before you started looking like you said I'm yeah so that I helped did that, did that help you narrow down your list by making that cut yeah so I um I didn't cut places out completely with if they didn't have a PGY2 now that kind of they may rank them lower maybe on my list but kind of like he said, especially if you're someone that's moving to an area where you don't know people, I wanted to have that bigger class. That was another column. Yeah. So speaking of class size, was there a limit? Did you say this is too many? Because there's some programs out there with like yeah. 15, 20 residents. So the place I ended up matching actually had 14 PGY1 residents, <laughs> and 8 PGY2. So I think that was that's pretty pretty high up there. Now there are some that go even higher, yeah. but but that was kind of where I ended up. So I would say for me, it wasn't really an upper limit. Now, now I, I think it would get a little crazy when there's over 20 or, or so, but, but that's something this, to kind of think about. What other factors did you focus on? So we said the class size, we said the, uh, the PGY2s kind of helped narrow that some. For me, I wasn't following the money, but I did have some friends that kind of like certain areas, it would tell you how much you made if that was an issue. Uh, so from like a cost of living standpoint. A cost of living, which usually they're pretty comparable based on where you were sent. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Cost of living, because some programs you'd be like, oh, they, they're paying 55000 but it's in, you know, Orange County, California, and the cost of living is four times that of sure. um, this other place that's offering 45000 So. So I think more importantly than the salary is looking at how expensive the area sure. is in, in relationship to it. A couple other things to kind of think about that might not be as inherent as location or PGY2s or things like that is how long the program's been around. And isn't necessarily the only thing, but kind of speaking to like a, a quality of the program, like are they, where are the residents ending up after, after, um, graduation or are they going on doing great things um, what's the reputation of the program and kind of think of that I know you can get all of that information from the website but it's, in some instances you can and, and you know there's some programs that are recognized nationally so that's just kind of another another thing to think about looking at places that had those opportunities and making sure like the rotations that the that the places offered align with your interests so 
for Hannah, I'm sure you looked and made sure that there's infectious disease component, mm -hmm. at least even if they didn't have a PGY2, but you could do some experiences in infectious disease or antimicrobial. Yeah, you can kind of narrow out what's a more flexible program or um, is what they have more election, elective options. I know some people have less of, you can tell, less of a leeway or less that the program's going to work with you as far as um, getting to pick some of those things or even research opportunities. You can see that on there what the hospital's involved in, that sort of thing, um, is another thing that I looked at too. I know for me as well, I looked at, at, at uh, research opportunities, but one thing that I was very interested in was academia. So I was looking into programs that had strong teaching components and offered teaching certificates. So I know, I know programs will, will list that and offer that um, in many cases. So that can be another another thing to think about is what, what does that look like from a teaching commitment or is that even an opportunity here if you're interested in that or if maybe you're not interested in it and you want to avoid that. So it's just all what, what's your personal and professional goals. What about, what about you, Sean? What did you, were you looking at any other things particular? Well, I, I, I honestly resonated with a lot of what you were saying, Taylor with the teaching certificate and things like that because I wanted to teach. So I was looking at those programs. I think even though I did that, I still found there's so, so many programs out there. I still had a struggle evaluating them, which I had to have that next piece of the meeting the programs and things like that to actually narrow it down more. But I looked at a lot of those qualities. I looked at Think you mentioned this the preceptor qualifications were they board certified were they non-board certified because the quality of their education i was assuming would reflect on me as a resident to say like okay what's the kind of quality of education i'm getting from them i didn't always have good luck i don't know how y'all felt i thought the ashp directory was good but sometimes outdated not a lot of not a huge amount of information the websites, I, it was a hit or miss. Some of them have really good websites. Some of them, it was like, just like a page, like we do this. So they wouldn't always show stuff. I would a lot of times just then dive into the hospital or the system or the place and look at some of those statistics too. Like what kind of hospital is this? How many beds do they have? What specialties do they have? And just in order to help kind of inform that decision or, or to supplement what I wasn't finding when I was evaluating them. Sure, I know because even on forecast, so I'll give you maybe a link to the hospital, but I wanted to see what level trauma center they were. So if I wanted to be at a level one or academic or like, you know, other clinics that they have definitely um, had to go research the hospital. Yeah, the more stuff the hospital offers, the more robust your program will be, which that's not always true. So staffing, you mentioned staffing earlier. Should staffing make or break the the evaluation or decision whether or not to kind of rank that program? I think it depends on um, what your what kind of resident you want to be and what quality of life balance. There's always a work life balance there. I know that with some programs, if they had staffing during the day during my rotation. I wanted to be able to just focus on my rotation and not be staffing half the day. So that was important to me. You know, if I wasn't staffing while I was also rounding on opposite floors. So some places you just learned that after interviews, but it kind of made a big deal to me if I was working every third weekend versus every other weekend. Um, I didn't, I definitely, that wasn't the top thing that knocked them off my list, but I felt like you can definitely tell a difference between half year residents, quality of life. 
I wouldn't make that a number one thing to cross it off. And you might be a resident that likes to work all the time and some places even have on call, have you on call. I saw several places that, you know, offered that and that, that, that interests you, then that's awesome. It's just not for everyone. Yeah, in, in our experience, a lot of our students hyper-focus on the staffing component. Usually their main con for not wanting the program is because there's a staffing component. So I appreciate what you're saying there with it's important to look at and it's important to consider, but it shouldn't be the thing that's like your number one thing. I think for me, it was more of when was I staffing because I enjoy, I staffed this weekend and I enjoy, I think you learn so much about how the hospital works as a whole. And so like what you're doing on the floors, how is that affecting someone in the IV room? So I think there's a lot to learn through that. It's not definitely not a negative thing. So you're, you're talking to somebody who loves their weekends and loves their time off. <laughs> but I ended up in a program where I staffed every other weekend. And so while that was kind of a, a, a thing that I considered and really wanted to avoid, I ended up there anyways because it was such a great program and they just had everything else I wanted that they offered. And it's only a year, so you're not stuck in that 12 on, 2 off. So you didn't have to do that flow. two years? No, I only had to do that my, my first okay. year. So the second year, is it was more like every fourth weekend. Okay, so that's that was right. way better. <laughs> PGY2 staffing is usually better. You know, I made it. I endured it. It, it does, I mean, it does take a toll. You work through it. And, and like Hannah was saying, I think you do learn a lot from it um, because a lot of times you're staffing in central pharmacy or, in, you know, more operations based. So you, you learn a lot more about the whole process. And it's actually kind of a break from like your clinical type duties that you're normally performing during during your rotation. So yeah, that's how I loved it as a break. It was like a mental break and you felt like a real person because like you graduated pharmacy school, you're licensed pharmacist, but you're still this learner and you're getting yelled at all the time. And no, I'm just joking. You're not getting yelled at, but you're getting instructed. So when you're staffing, it's like, I'm, I'm a pharmacist. I'm doing what a pharmacist does. This is a real job. It, it's kind of nice to see that. So I, I honestly liked it. Now mine was every third weekend, which we had to do a four hour additional one a week. And I thought that was extremely doable. And, but we got Mondays off, which she let me know my RPD. If she's listening, <laughs> that they don't have to give you that Monday off, <laughs> but they did. <laughs> yeah, most of them, they're like, we could work you straight through, but we're, we're going to give you that Monday off after you work a weekend. Well, we appreciate that. All right, last question. With PGY2 early commits versus no early commit, it sounds like you're interested in infectious disease, Hannah. Is that right? That's correct. So, so were you looking at infectious disease PGY2s and how did you, how did you incorporate that into your evaluation? Sure. So kind of like what we said for the places that I looked at that kind of weren't in my quote zone, maybe close to family or certain places like that. If they had a second year, I would probably, I would rank them higher. And then if they early committed, that even was kind of even in a higher ranking for me personally. Now, some people um, think that if you want a second year in a different place to see a different environment, that's awesome too. So I didn't, I kind of just thought of both places. I just wanted to make sure that they had that opportunity that that was a strong program there, regardless if I stayed or I left. Taylor, what, what made you want to do a two-year commitment? Was that like a plan from the beginning or did you just kind of fall into that? So I had known some people that had completed two-year pharmacotherapy residencies. So that was something I was kind of interested in learning more about whenever I was researching programs. 
And so I actually looked at a couple different two-year programs within that, but I also looked at other just PGY1s. What, what interested me about the program I ended up with, the two-year pharmacotherapy program with Indiana University was with such a strong teaching component, it was a really good opportunity to take what you've learned from the first year and then actually repeat certain experiences and opportunities the next year. So it was more from a teaching standpoint versus a clinical um, rotation standpoint. And they had enough different rotations where I was able to kind of focus my second year in, in terms of internal medicine type rotations and everything, because that's kind of what I ended up going with. But it was really nice knowing from the get-go, I didn't have to, I wouldn't have had to go through the match process again, or even early commit. I, just, I was just committed. <laughs> so. Yeah. That was hugely enticing to not have to worry about the match process again because it's exhausting. First time it's exhausting, second time it's exhausting. So yeah, and I feel like feel like you get get to your residency, you you get a couple months in, and then you have to start thinking. Yeah, you're already looking for a job. Yeah, because it's December and you're there, PPS and doing all that stuff. Yeah, I tried to get a program because I want to do AM care PGY2. I did general PGY1. I tried to find a program that had a PGY2 early commit. But I'll say in my experience, the programs that had more PGY2 pro- programs available were usually the more competitive programs. So I kind of found that it was easier to get my foot in the door with programs that didn't have a robust PGY2 because they weren't as desired. My point would be don't feel like you have to have a program that has a PGY2 because you can still make it. I think one thing that's really important when you're trying to find a place, you kind of just have to know yourself and where you are as a student, you know, were you the 4.0 student or, you know, you kind of have to, you can't just shoot for all the top places. You kind of have to know where you are. I think that to have someone just kind of going rogue, but to have someone that you trust or a faculty member that kind of can look at your CV and say, hey, these places are maybe in your shot range. I think that was something that was very helpful. Yeah. So did you do that? Did you consult with a faculty mentor? I had a faculty mentor on a rotation and he went through my, um, I told him the places that I was interested in applying to and I showed him my list and my whys and he looked at my CV and my GPA and everything and said, this is what I think. And I'm not saying you shouldn't not try for the hardest places, but he kind of gives you a, he gave me an honest opinion as to where I would probably, you know, kind of fit as against other candidates. It's just such an expensive process, you know, and yeah. I ended up applying to like 15 different places and, you know, that adds up. So it really helps if someone's honest with you and says, hey, it's just kind of what you look like against others. Yeah. So I love that. And I think it's, it, it kind of brings some like, re- it kind of brings you back to reality and making more realistic goals for yourself and you not to say that you shouldn't shoot for the stars but maybe maybe have those kind of dream programs and and after evaluating things but maybe some that are more maybe realistic for the general student so i think that that's a really good piece of advice for for students I definitely had some, I had some shoot for the stars and then I had some, just a broad range. I think that really helps you. Even when you interview, you know, people have different personalities or different atmospheres that, you know, might fit you differently. So I think definitely something to think about. Mm -hmm. And it just gets more competitive too. So knowing where you stand. Hannah, thanks for all your input. We really appreciate you joining us today on our podcast. Uh, So that's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for all our listeners to the PGT podcast. Uh, We'll catch you next time.